0: Do you mind being doxxed, or should we just call you Moonbags?
1: You can call me Steven. It's fine. All right, Steven, cool. aka Moonbags, whatever. I, I've said it many times on Spaces, so it's no big deal. Well, thanks
0: for joining us uh, today. should be fun. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, dude. It's only 10 a.m. here, so I can't be drinking whiskey yet, unfortunately. Where Chicago. Where are you? I'm in Hawaii. Oh, okay. I was like, how the heck is it? 10 a.m.? Okay. Makes yes. sense. Yes. Where are you
1: located? I'm in Chicago, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. I heard I was listening to I never actually listened to the podcast, sorry. Yeah, no worries. But but I went back and listened to a couple of episodes and you were talking about you went to school here. Yeah, Northwestern. Yeah, we, we live uh just
0: right by the lake, basically in Streeterville. God, I haven't been there in so long, but uh is Buffalo Joe's still there? You ever been there? That's <laughs> a wing it's a wing place. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're not a Bears fan. Me? No. I'm no. I'm I'm from Arkansas. We
1: don't have okay. sports. Razorback fan is about as far as it goes. Hey, Beth, you're drinking coffee.
0: It's late there, though, dude. You need to be drinking whiskey or something.
1: Oh, dude, I, I'm a I'm a degenerate with coffee, man. And I'm like, on I just stopped. I've had like four or five cups, you know. Like, yeah.
2: If you've seen Skyly's machine, Skyly's got. I know. I am like, gonna
0: try to. If I can unblur my screen, it's right behind me here. Hang on. You were sharing some photos the other day in your chat. I was telling you about. Oh yeah, you saw it. I think. There we go. You See that bad boy right there. <laughs> Well cool, man. Let's get started. Cause I uh, yeah, and and Barat might join. I sent him the link. Nice. So we'll see. I um I just heard about you recently through through uh Frentech, and I think probably on on Twitter and then and then you know realized that you were kind of building some cool stuff on FriendTech. So bought one of your keys and then we've been chatting oh, a little bit. Yeah. Um tell me how I guess first of all, not knowing really anything about you, how did you get into this the NFT slash crypto kind of space? Oh, God, that's a long story. I got started in
1: 2017 as a dev. Basically, I was I ran a software consulting company from like 2014 through basically when COVID started. And uh, I was just researching different verticals. And actually, I was looking at um, like supply chain and logistics and provenance and all this kind of stuff that's sort of like the early days, whatever we was talking about with blockchain. Mm-hmm. And then I just started learning Solidity. And then next thing you know, like I have people hitting me up to like run ICOs and stuff. Like it was, 2017 was so just, wild. Yeah, it yeah. really crazy time. So I did that and worked in DeFi for a while. Um, kind of on a contract basis, but I was helping people with like smart contract architecture and stuff like that. We were doing... Uh, this is before Uniswap. We were trying to build decentralized derivatives on top of like the zero X protocol and all this kind of stuff. And um, that ended up turning into, well, there's no liquidity because it's all fragmented across all these different places. Maybe we can make a liquidity protocol. And then Uniswap came out and none of that mattered. <laughs> so right. like, kind of kind of that that was the story. And then uh I don't know. I think I think uh NFTs actually I got into because during COVID, we moved down to Miami for a couple of years, and I was hanging out with some serious DJs. Names left, you know, redacted, and they were all like, "Dude, we just mentioned this thing, bored apes, and it's going crazy, and blah blah blah. You should check it out." And so I kind of just started sticking my toes in the water, and I don't know, I got into it. But like, I'm I'm the kind of person, like as you can tell, like I'll get involved with stuff from an interest, and then I'll immediately start building stuff. <laughs> so yeah. like, that's just my personality. So. Like uh I minted a couple of things and then I was like, you know what'd be fun? It's making games. And so me and a couple of friends built uh like probably one of the first ever fully on chain NFC games and it didn't go anywhere. But it was it was fun, you know. So
0: that's kind of the backstory. That's cool. I, yeah, so back in two thousand seventeen, did you were you playing around with some of these decentralized exchanges like IDEX and uh the yeah. other ones were called? The one that I used the most was actually radar relay. Yeah, I use that one. Yeah. I would trade shit coins on there. I I never put any size into my trades because I just was tinkering, you know? And I was nervous that I kind of had the theory that like at any given time, all my money could just be vanished, you know? So I would put like 100 100 bucks in there or something and I would just trade shit coins with them. But it was hilarious, the slippage on those things. Or like- Oh yeah. Like you could move a market buying like $100 of a coin. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It It was a fun time. You see those big chunky graphs? Like those big chunky bar graphs? because the trades were so minimal. The volume was so low. Oh man, that was was an interesting time.
1: 2017 was, I don't know, what do you think about this? Like, do you think 2017 was crazy or 2021?
0: Well, I wasn't really around in 2017. So for me, definitely 21. And I was like all in NFTs. And so like, I feel like the NFT thing was like a leverage, like Bitcoin was nuts and then NFTs were like a leveraged thing of that. So definitely for me, 21. I mean, it was completely insane. And it was like, this hobby I had been doing, toiling in for, at that time, three three years with no real thought that it would ever happen like that, right? Like I thought a CryptoPunk in 10 years might be worth a few thousand dollars or something. And like Top Shot was the most insane. I talked about it before, but like, I'll never have a time like that again. In one week, shit would like go up tenfold. Then in one day, sometimes it would go up like two or three fold. It was insane, completely insane. Yeah. I, I wouldn't rule it out, man. You never forget that's true. Out the space. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the reason we're all here is, is like, so so I got in after 2017 and I heard all the glory days, right? From one of my good friends from high school. And he was showing me, like I, I asked him, he's not like a bragger, but I was like, dude, just tell me some of your great trades. And he bought this thing called, fuck, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. But he bought this piece of shit, shitcoin coin and like 100X'd it in like a month and made like $1 million. And then he cashed out. Oh, nice, here, And I was like, what the hell? Like, uh, this is nuts. And so then I got in right after the bubble had burst and I was actually really interested in all the tech and everything, but along, you know, deep inside your brain, you're like, well, gee, I hope something like that happens again. That'd be fun. And so, yeah, I think you're right. It will happen again. Barat, welcome. Uh, welcome deep. thanks for joining. Hey guys. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. We have Steven, uh, AKA moon bags. And, uh, we were just getting his crypto origin story and we kind of got up to uh, NFTs
2: and then I guess present day. So we're, we're actually good timing because we're just getting ready to start talking about Friend Tech. Boom. Can I, can I just ask, um, what was the NFT game? Yeah. So
1: you probably wouldn't know of it. It's called Hot Potato. If you want to see it, it's at 0 Hot on Twitter, which is my favorite handle I've ever managed to scoop. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, basically. Me and some friends were sitting around late one night, me and this guy Josh specifically. So he's, so actually I run a art marketplace on Avalanche called Campfire. And one of our co-founders is this guy named Josh. He and I were sitting around talking on telegram, like super late one night. And we were just drinking and saying stupid stuff, you know, and I tend to go like, what's the craziest thing we could do is sort of my, my mindset, you know? And I was like, what if we could set tokens on fire? And so we, we low, I wrote like 6,000 lines of solidity or some nonsense so that you have a token that actually multiplies in your wallet, like literally in MetaMask. It just balance keeps going up until somebody stops the music. (laughs) It's, oh my God, it's
0: completely ridiculous. And, uh, and it's, yeah, it's, but it was, it was a fun time. That's cool. Tell me, and I'll ask Barad as well, the same question. When did you first come across FriendTech and what were your initial thoughts when you, when you first played around with it? Uh, you know, I have, I have a bunch of crypto Twitter friends as you all do. And I saw
1: some people talking about it, you know, for a couple of weeks and we stayed pretty busy, but once I saw it, like it kind of went away and it came back, that was my cue. Like I've got to jump on this, you know? And so I got on and I got an invite code from my friend, John, and, uh, he got me in. I got on there, like didn't have any ETH on base. I was like, I'll check it out later. And then instantly my wallet was funded. I was like, that's weird. Why did I just get airdropped ETH? And then I like clicked the button and then like I made 0.1 or 0.05 ETH or something like in a couple of minutes. And then I realized, oh, people are botting this stuff. Like that was sort of, that was my very, very, like what got the wheel starting, you know? And how
0: about you, bro?
3: Yeah. Great question. So I'll tell you, my first impression was very early on. And I, you know, I put like an ETH in there, right? And I was just kind of messing around, buying people I knew but I didn't get deep into it because, you know, the UX and the UI was just horrid, right? So it was just absolutely terrible. And I was like, man, this this sucks. This is never going to work, right? So that was my initial sort of, um, you know, entree into it. Then I would say about a week and a half later, maybe it was two weeks, in fact, I spent a solid three or four hours just going through multiple chat rooms um, that I'd bought uh, keys for. And I started to pick up on you know, thematic areas across connections that NFT people were making with DeFi, DGENs. I picked up on alpha, right? So you had these concentric circles that never overlapped, all of a sudden starting to overlap, right? You had people kind of having conversations that never before would even talk to each other, right? So I found that very interesting. And I found that there was a lot of, you know, really good alpha that was being shared in these rooms. And I was like, okay, yeah, there's something here. And i would tell you that next day I think I, I put a bunch more ETH into it, and then I just kept aping from there, right? So, and the rest is kind of where I am right now. But you know, I'm enjoying my time on FrenTech, and it's it's crazy what you pick up and learn. You know, everything from like um, new new sort of product launches. People are actually tying them to keys that are owned, right? So there's a bunch of stuff that's emerging in terms of patterns and use cases for FrenTech. Can you give like one example of what you just said? Yeah, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, there's a little bit of alpha here, but um, there's the rampage uh, drop that's happening, and it's effectively there are two sort of. Um, by the way, nothing the, the team has never sort of come out and said they're going to do anything. Um, it's it's all been like very subtle stuff, subtle hints along the way. But if you own a grug or a uh, poker bets key, you effectively you know qualify for you know what could potentially be beta access. And from beta access, who knows, right? So the who knows is a big question mark. But that yeah. gives you an idea. And then there are a bunch of other folks like Bread. Um, Bread has this really cool Dune dashboard that he keeps iterating on, which shows the power of three, comma three, right? So who's all part of it? Who's defecting? What's the defection <laughs> rate, right? Mm-hmm. So you have all of this really cool information and primitives that people are building around that core tech, right? And in order for you to be able to leverage those apps um, and those bots you effectively have to buy the key right so it's a very interesting kind of perspective and dynamic around you know how the insight and value equation is being created in here yeah there's so much cool potential to this
0: I wanted I wanted to back up because I think a lot of I'm, I'm actually hoping that a lot of people who listen to this will not know anything about friendtech and won't even have used it so I did want to kind of give the a little bit of an explanation. And, and I'm I'm so new to it. I can, you know, I'm I'm more new to it than you guys are. So, and Pep Pep actually red-pilled me at the end of our last podcast. I started off the podcast saying I was a Ponzi. And then by the end, I was like, ah, oh, I guess you convinced me to try it out. And then the next thing you know, it's, it, it is pretty addicting. And, and like, I just had that epiphany moment that I don't have that much anymore, you know, with NFTs. I had it with CryptoPunks and I had it with Top Shot and I had it with probably some things that didn't work out so it's like it's always right but anyway i had this like epiphany like i don't know my eighth or tenth hour of using this thing where i just saw all the potential to it and it kind of blew my mind uh, you know it really did to explain how it works so, so i'll back up too because you're talking about how it, it, it got popular really quickly and then it died and i remember that and i remember listening to laura shin interview i forget his name the guy who created base or who's in charge of base or whatever for coinbase and um he was talking about Frientech as if it was like this great example of uh, of how base is going to be this great layer too. And they're talking about Frientech. And by the time the episode had published, like Frientech had already, quote, died. So it was sort of embarrassing. I was like, oh, this is, this is a bad look, you know. And I kind of wrote off Frientech at that point. And then I guess there was the only way OnlyFans wave. Was that the second wave or something? Maybe that was the first wave. I don't know. I heard a little bit about OnlyFans and I could, didn't really pay attention. And then it wasn't until, I don't know, two weeks ago, when enough of my friends like pep and other people that i trust like really just started telling me hey man this is actually pretty cool and uh, you you should at least check it out you know and so it seems like that was the point where i was really starting to gain steam that where it was something that was going to at least last a little bit longer and then like you were saying like when you when you first join i guess it helps if you have some followers on twitter like i have like 40 something thousand and so it is kind of relative to that and i think if you have a crypto punk pfp that helps too but like as soon as i joined i got like 0.06 in my wallet so like that never hurts right like that, that makes it more fun like, you're like oh i got free money and then of course what do you do with that money well then you start using it to buy other people's keys um and you start getting these trading fees and then at some point i was up to like i think i got like a half ETH just off trading fees and um so that's a nice little stimulus up front and and like what better way to get you interested in a product than giving you 800 bucks off the bat you know it's a pretty, pretty aggressive network effect, in my opinion.
1: Somebody yelled at me on a space the other night for using buzzwords and wanted me to use Synergy next. But the thing is, like, <laughs> uh, actually, you know, you think about it, like, you get – you start collecting everybody's keys and, like, you get really invested in a platform. Like, maybe you go mess around with the other ones and see what they look like. But that's that's kind of my thing is, like, there's just so many people here now. I'm meeting new people, you know, like, all the time. And that's, that's a –
0: and I feel invested <laughs> – So like it's like a a pretty powerful cocktail. And the bonding curve, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the main reason they get botted is because the way the bonding curve works is those first 10 keys or so, the risk reward is super high because they're almost free. And then if it catches on, you could sell them for like 10x very quickly. And so if you're setting up these bots, I mean, even if you're wrong a lot of the time, you're still going to make money, right?
1: Yeah. You know, what's funny too is I think that some of the bots aren't that good like in terms of like they they don't have good spending limits or something. So I was on the phone with Sabet, I don't know if you know Sabet, but uh, the artist, so I was on the phone with him yesterday. And uh, he was like, all right, I'm going to set my thing up. And I was talking to him, I was like, you're probably going to get it. I was surprised. His keys shot up to like over 0.1 really fast. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And somebody dropped, somebody bought 50 keys and then some other bots followed in right behind. It was like, he's like, whoa, you made 0.2 ETH or something in like a minute or two. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like what happens when you have a big following. And then to further
0: explain it and correct me if I'm wrong, but you get on every trade, every buy and sell of a key. So, so it's a bonding curve. So when you buy a key, that key comes into existence. So like when you start off, you get, you have to buy your first key to start it. So there's one key. And then let's say you get bought it up to 15 keys and the price goes up exponentially at first, and then it starts to kind of level off. And so, um, then when you sell a key, the same thing happens. It goes back down and the key number goes like like you, when you, you can sell all the way to zero, right? Where like you could make all your keys disappear. I would assume so. I don't know if yeah. I've seen anybody
3: try that. Uh, you, yeah, you I, potentially, you potentially could. Yeah. Steven, mm-hmm. if you're bang on. Right. I mean, if you have every holder capitulate, you effectively would go to zero, right? Is the expectation. And of course, uh, there'd be trading fees accrued there when that happens. But um right. you know. So it's kind of an interesting Ponzi play too, right? From that perspective, because you see people who are influencers on Twitter come on and they run up really quick and then they don't post, right? And the yeah. reason they don't post is because they want people to dump their tokens, dump their keys. And they accrue trading fees. So they're able to sort of get the points, they harvest the points, but they're also getting the you know, the potential of the, uh, the taker fees on it too. So it's, it's a kind of a very interesting dynamic there. And the fee is 10% on each trade and you get half of that, correct? Yep.
0: Or us. yep. Yeah. And the, the price that they post is actually like the price without the fee. So
1: that's why when you click buy or sell, it's like, wow, that's different than what I was expecting. <laughs>
0: that's right. I know. I, I didn't really realize that at first. And Then I was like, wait, why are these numbers always different? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they're always different in the bad way, not in a good way. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking, then you, you start to think about how you can game it, right? And it's like, it's one thing if your key is worth a lot. Like if you're here to like actually be legitimate, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying if you're a scammer and you're like, I just want to come in and milk as much money out of this as I, could, I can, I don't care about it. It seems like it'd be smart for you to ramp it up, ramp it down, ramp it up, ramp it down, and just do that as many times as possible. Because that will give you the most volume and the most trading fees. I guess the best way would be to get to a really high value and then just have tons of people trade in and out of it somehow. Because then you get a higher trading fee that's so kind of
3: yeah it, there's there's a bunch of different metas on this right i think what you're finding is that people who are active right and not just doing the gm thing all day long but are actually active in the chat rooms you know you're starting to see key value sort of appreciate right um if you will so i yeah. i think that there's a very direct correlation between activity alpha right and you know key value right so I think the people who are like stop and starters will get found out pretty quick. And I think people will sort of, you know, disregard them in time is, is my guess. Right. Um, and you can also find these accounts that are completely inactive and speculate on whether or not they'll become active at some point And then, right. you know, and, and then make those bets. Right. But there's definitely people who are spending time, effort, and energy to build a creative brand. And I think those folks, you know, it'll be interesting to see even after, you know, whatever happens with the point system, you know, how those people thrive from there. But I think there's some power law distributions at play, right? Look, I, I'm, I'm kind of bullish on it, right? And I, I liken it, and you said this, scaly, you hadn't been this excited since, um you know, NFTs, right? And I think there's a very interesting analog here. If you think about Grail art, right? You were an early punk holder, but if you think about Grail art, and the power laws that kind of manifest from Grail art. And you think about like individual creators who are in this front tech economy now, right? Some of those early folks are going to have out, uh, you know, very, very out of proportion gains, right? Because they were early, they were active. And uh, I think it's it's gonna be a very similar effect, right? So even if you, you know, we think this all goes to zero as everything does, um, I think there may be a lasting value here. And I think there's a a social sentiment aspect that people undervalue. And what I mean by that is if you hold keys of your friends and new friends, right? And Stephen was mentioning this before he made made lots of new friends, right you you kind of you build a rapport with these individuals, right? And thinking about like potentially dumping their keys becomes a challenge, right? Because it's like it's like you're playing a game of chicken, right? And So that part becomes super sticky and i think people don't realize Mm -hmm. that that aspect of it as you get more into these deep network relationships becomes very challenging because then you're then you're like people are watching you it's almost like social capital in a way right um so i I think it's a very interesting sort of dynamic uh playing out on multiple fronts and yeah it's so it's so um
0: open to degening because um you get that that fun of it too like like with the nft market when it was really going off uh, like, for example, I joined the other day and I bought your key, which seemed like it was relatively cheap. And it and it turns out for right now, at least it was. And so then you see that key go up in value. And then you kind of have this implied gain that then you can go spend on your other, other accounts. So then, like you said, there's not a lot of pressure to sell because it's like, well, yeah, their key hasn't gone up or maybe their key went down a little bit. But I like the chat. I like them. They have my key. I'm not going to sell it. That's kind of lame, you know. And you're like, well, if only one of the four went up, I'm still doing okay. Like, you know, so there's, so there's a lot of reasons why you don't want to just dump it all and leave. Yeah. Bang on. Tell me about the airdrop. What do we, what do we think? Let's speculate on the airdrop. I mean, obviously a coin, a token, but like short of a token, what else could it be? You
2: say, obviously, is it obvious? Definitely a token.
0: <laughs> what the hell else is it gonna be? <laughs> that's what we can, all want it to be. <laughs> can we speculate on what if it's not a
1: token? Well, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Everybody everybody's talking about like we're on these spaces, you know, oh, it's gonna be 50 cents, it's gonna be a dollar. I've heard I've heard this over, I love it, over again. I, love I have it. I have no idea. But like, can you imagine the absolute pandemonium of everybody just grinds on this thing for six months and they're like Actually, guys, it's just some in-app points yeah. and you can get free breakfast at Denny's.
2: Yeah. Or and- stuffed animal at Walmart. You can get a couple of those. <laughs> see, one logical thing that a lot of exchanges do is if you hold their token, you hold a certain amount of their token and stake it, then you get zero trading fees. You could easily see that being the Ooh. case. Um, Ooh, you, like that you, you, Like a Binance coin. Yeah, or well, you cut the, the creator keeps the 5% tax, but the platform tax gets zero or something like that. It, it would be super interesting if
3: they were to incentivize creatives, right? And creators. And I think that's the most important thing because like the point system is, you know, if you sort of draw a straight line and that becomes like a 50 50 cents or a dollar, right? Then you're going to create the next version of, you know, the farming meta, right? Just it goes to zero eventually. It's just going to happen, right? But if they actually think about this thoughtfully, there are probably ways for them to make this a mainstream application and get people you know who are creatives today but you know if you're on Twitter you're you're being paid a pittance right no matter how big you are you're getting paid like a pittance and if they can start to recruit people like that and they then give these individuals and people who are early right um, us included right if they start to say hey there's a value afforded to what these folks are doing on the platform and I, I liken this to like early YouTube and what people did there right so if you think about the folks, who got onto YouTube and started, you know, publishing content, even if they sucked today, they're probably a million plus subscribers, right? So they're probably killing it. Right. So it's, it's, if it's that kind of an outcome, I think it's still a good outcome. Right. So, um, you know, obviously points converted to an airdrop would be great, but I think it, I hope they're thinking about a bigger, broader sort of, you know, creator unlock because they have that potential.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope there's not a coin actually, because you're right, then it's just air farm, then it's just, you know, farming and that never ends well. I, do you think do you think people are
1: behaving right now? Like what's, what extent do you think people are having fun with the new
3: shiny thing versus like trying to farm the airdrop? It's a great question. You know, it, it's yeah. funny. Zero X5F asked that same question in his chat. I think it was this morning. it was yesterday. And I said initially it was a hundred percent farming and it was 0% having fun, right? Or 0% creating value. And I said, if you ask me that same question today, I would say it's inverted. It's probably 40% farming and 60% having fun. And that's, that's a pretty big flip for me, right? And, and that's probably why we're seeing these cycles kind of emerge and develop, because people are starting to realize that, hey, this sucks. And then they spend more time and they say, oh, it's kind of cool. And then they go deeper down the rabbit hole but it's a great question steven i think it's i think it's actually we're starting to see more people you know think that there is value beyond the farming right and beyond the points and the way i look at it now is if i'm about net even on my buy-in
0: which is about what i am now based on the like if i just sold everything i would come out a little bit ahead but then it's nice to look at the airdrop points and be like well i'm here pretty early like Maybe that'll turn into something at some point, but I'm not really counting on it being some major windfall. But you're right. There's a lot of other ideas I didn't think about. Like one idea would be if you have a certain amount of points, you can buy access to like some pro features or get promoted on, this, on the site or something else. And right. so then that would create a market for the points. You could actually sell the points. Uh, I mean, a revenue share based on your points, that's sort of like a security. So I'm not sure how that would fly, but there's all kinds of stuff they could do.
3: Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's that's where I think paradigm is kind of the master at creating these kind of, uh, you know, the, these really sort of interesting dynamics around, you know, how to build and, uh, you know, attract creators. The the question is, what will they have learned from Blur that they can apply here that makes this a successful platform, right? And not just, a, you know, a liquidity, um, you know, a liquidity vehicle for, you know, dumping illiquid, PFPs, right? But and that's gonna be that's gonna be very interesting to watch.
0: Who's behind the team? So I heard it was three people. I'm hearing Paradigm. I don't know the
3: story behind who, who actually started it and who owns it, who invested in her. I think Paradigm is like the only VC, which is interesting. And this is why the funds are having to come in and participate through buying keys, right? Um, because they're anticipating that there's potential for points equaling something of value, right? Um and, but the three folks, the three principles involved is, you know, racer is the main guy. Um, by the way, I don't know if it's a guy or a gal, right? It's a racer and then shrimp and then pancake bra, I guess, is the third person that I'm mm-hmm. aware of and probably the most vocal of the three. Um, do you think, uh, do you think that they,
1: like, I was looking at this and like, they've made a ton of money in fees, but they have to just be, they're printing money right now. So. For me, the paradigm thing feels like more strategic, probably than just about capital. is fact, I have to guess.
3: Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right, um, because I mean the model kind of proved out very early, right? It, it's it, it was a very low risk bet for them, um, so I, I think it has to be strategic. It has to be around, you know, how do we make this thing mainstream? And and if you look at the people who came in, Stephen, right? It's it's a great question because. The people who came in are some of the leading you know, venture capitalists as well, right? So people from outside of the crypto echo chamber, right? Gary Tan was in there, right? You had all of these folks starting to enter. Um, and that was kind of an interesting dynamic. And you've had other competing VCs who were entering as well, which means that they were realizing that there was something interesting here that they ought to pay attention to, right? And some of them are quite active. Um, but um so i i think there's definitely a value you know at the top that um is happening that uh, is bigger and broader so it's it's fun to think about the different use
0: cases for this technology and um like i noticed in your channel uh, today you were talking about um uh, like a raffle aspect as well as access to certain drops and and doing art based you know where people in your who own your keys are the people that get a snapshot and then get get to claim the art, that kind of stuff. Maybe talk a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah. You know, I, like, I see a lot of people doing, you know, very hard to kind of one-up yourself utility, right? And I think that's just going to be very challenging over time, right? So my focus is really on two dimensions, alpha and art, right? Is what I call it. And, uh, you know, alpha on my investable themes and why I think, you know, something maybe a worthwhile, um. You know, trend that you ought to follow, but the art aspect is the other one, right? It's like we're in this lull right now where you know there's very little visibility for non-Grail artists, right? So I was thinking, why wouldn't I just focus on working on a curated, you know, free airdrop, if you will, to all the holders, right? Which we snapshot, um, and I just completed a snapshot today, and bring in artists who don't have the platform necessarily today, and you know bring the defi crowd into enjoying art more bring the nft folks to start to think about art more right so that was kind of the the passion here you know pulling through my two favorite sort of themes within crypto which is defi as well as um nfts and trying to connect those groups together right so the intention here is to bring bring some visibility to these artists who otherwise aren't getting the visibility provide some cool you know airdrops to all of these individuals so they start to appreciate you know art digital art in general and you know that's something that's sustainable right that's something that is not you know as long as you're creating good art and you're working with artists and you're curating and doing a good job there you know it's going to be great right but you know a lot of the giveaways and stuff i think is is very challenging to keep up with right i mean it's there's a diminishing sort of return on that you have to keep one up in yourself and then at some point people are going to be like okay i'm tired of this right so
0: yeah that- that could get you in the channel, but then get you to buy a key. But then it's like, what's going to keep you to stay? You got it. I do. Yeah. I like. I do like it a lot for
1: art in theory. Like we're we're gonna be doing some experiments, like where you have a. I mean, it's all just like reading from what's on chain. So like, if you own one of my keys or Jonathan Little's keys, if you know him, um, and then uh, the artist is this guy Scribble Warlock, who's one of my good friends if you own any of our keys we're promoting he's going to do a free edition You can just go claim nice. it and so like this kind of stuff i think has a lot of potential i think i'm really curious to see like you know especially for editions, like that's something that you know an artist can create and put out regularly and i'm curious to see like what that does over the next several months for like the value of the key yeah um because you know there's a whole thing about like you know what is the purpose of a specific piece of art? Is it to grow your audience? Is it to make money? Is it to do X, Y, and Z? And like, I think this is super experimental right now. So I kind of want to see how it plays out, what happens. Uh, There's a lot of opportunity to try some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love
3: your idea, Steven. I mean, you know, it's a great way to keep building and to keep giving visibility to folks that, you know, don't have a lot of visibility. And it's it's doing it in a way that kind of moves multiple people forward, right? And I think that's the interesting dimension here. Um, You know, really helps the space over, hopefully over time. So are these NFTs, are they on base then? No, you know, I I was thinking about that good, long, and hard. And and people asked me that question too. And I was like, you know, the problem with doing it on base right now is that for that artist, the visibility is going to be kind of, you know, it's, it's very hit or miss, right? Right. But if you do it on a layer one, if you do it on Ethereum, then you don't have that problem. So the thought process right now is do it on, do it on Ethereum and when, and if base catches up and we see volumes just exploding i think we start to do things there but right now for artists it, it kind of makes more sense to do it on a layer one so then how how do you do the snapshot then i was curious yeah i can tell you what we're gonna do
1: mm-hmm. uh, yeah go go for it so we're we're basing it on your actual wallet from Tech, right because that's what owns the keys and <laughs> so what you can do obviously is export that wallet they have a big button in the app like it's sort of I don't really have a strong opinion about the security i probably wouldn't have built that myself but they've already done it so the cat's out of the bag so you take that Mm -hmm. and put it in metamask what we're going to do is use a uh, a thing called biconomy which is uh, eip 4337 implementation which lets you do gasless transactions and so people will be able to connect their wallet on our website without even having avalanche or whatever set up and then just claim the nft and there's no gas involved and so they'll get it airdropped along with a little bit of avalanche into their wallet so that they can list it or send it somewhere else if they want to. I think the challenge with um doing it straight up on ETH, if you you can take the snapshot, but then you've either got to create a mapping between all of those wallets and the people's real wallets that they use on ETH, or you have to export this wallet to ETH and then fund it, which, you know, i d I don't know. I mean, that's all sort of Up in the air for technical discussion but like what we're gonna do is the intention is to be completely frictionless
3: yeah that kind of makes sense i I love your approach i think it's a lot more frictionless um i I, there is going to be a little bit of manual intervention and my hope is that you know people stick around and it's it's like you know i'm trying to i'm trying to you know provide like um hodlers who hold the art you know with if they if they sort of keep all of them at the end of the quarter they are you know, eligible for a one-of-one. One. And if they keep all of it for a period of time, they get other bonuses as well, like, you know, other ARC bonuses. So I'm trying to think of creative ways of keeping it and making it sticky without having to do any silly, you know, utility games around it. But um, but I like your approach. It's it's a lot more elegant. Mine would definitely be a little bit manual and I'd have to keep track of, you know, all of the wallets uh, manually. It seems like a delegate.cash could, could incorporate base right? You could just
0: go on there, sign a transaction with your base wallet and then link it to your Ethereum wallet, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea too. Base is so early. I mean, we're going to see, that's, what's also exciting is we're going to see all this development, hopefully, you know, play out. I mean, it is backed by Coinbase, so it's not like they're going away.
1: Yeah. I had a question about, you know, not, not necessarily for you guys, but just in general, I've been thinking about like, is it a smart idea to deploy stuff on base, you know, or whatever. And, and honestly, like, I don't really have a well-formed opinion about it yet. I think it's very early. It's cool to see a bunch of capital flowing in, but I think that that capital is going to stay pretty locked up
3: in fintech for the most part. There's a there's a two for play here, right? Because if this is a big if, Coinbase decides that they're going to go all in on on-chain, right? I mean, today, Coinbase, love them or hate them, they're a glorified centralized exchange, right? And they've got a layer two that they're operating at the moment. The question is, to me is what if they decide at some point in the future they're gonna, you know, drop a base token, right? Now that gets very interesting because then you have all of these farmers who are looking at potentially, you know, friend tech and the value there, but then you also have this potential unlock of base if that happens, right? So it's it's a pretty cool it's a it's a ga- it's a gamble, but if it works out, it could be very big. Because, you know, having Coinbase backing a layer two is pretty big right in our space because they're well capitalized you know and uh they're profitable and uh you know a huge way for them to continue to invest into the development of the l2 so i think it's it's a win-win
0: yeah and i think i mean listening to brian armstrong whenever he speaks it almost seems like he's signaling something like that like I, i certainly don't see him as a big fan of centralization so i certainly wouldn't rule it out yeah agree the other thing I, uh, you know, is it, it's a big if. This is kind of what I thought you were going to say. Is is as far as it's kind of like back in the day when the, before the NFT boom, you know, you're investing in ETH, and then you know you're kind of doing a leverage play. It, it's it, and what happened was so many people made so much money with DeFi that they had all this ETH lying around, and they like to they don't really want to pay taxes on it or claim it in their bank account. So then they just bought all these NFTs, and so I think uh, it's it's very very um, much to be seen, but possibly, you know, if a bunch of people make money on a fintech, or if there's some other thing like fintech that comes out or not like fintech, but like successful in the way Tech has been, but some totally different thing that's on base. And then all of a sudden, all these people are making all this money on base. Then you could see like a big market for base NFTs, I think. It's a lot of ifs,
3: but you know, it's possible. <laughs> we, we, you know, Kaylee, you, you and I have talked about this in the past, right? It's like, there's no there to PFP collection has gone mainstream yet, right? Think about it. I mean, there are some that have had their their fits and starts. Yeah. But like somebody is going to drop. What's it going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's going to drop a 10K collection on one of these layer twos and it's going to absolutely catch fire, right? And it's going to change the game because then you're talking about like these cheaper mints, right? And you're talking about better access. All of the benefits that come from being on a layer two, which you you don't sort of get today because of the fact that there's not enough eyeballs and not enough traffic on those there twos but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out
0: now you're getting me really excited so this is the kind of stuff i think about that gets me excited so i was going to ask you too i mean so technically these keys are nfts correct Mm, not really i don't believe they are yeah and i was going to ask what kind of token even are they like what what are they
1: it's really not a token it's just literally like it's a it's an old school smart contract that's just keeping a balance. Like it's not in it's not according to any sort of token protocol mm. or anything like that. So they're actually non transferable. Right. So like you can't really. That makes sense. You can you can do some kind of interesting stuff like manifold put out this proxy contract where you can like buy the keys through the proxy and then you can assign ownership in the proxy contract. It's like yeah, but it's sort of really you know it's stretching the use case quite a bit like it's not really designed to be this sort of like token type thing
0: it would be cool to have some kind of project that uh was a pfp on frintech where the only way you got it was to get a key in a certain room yep And, and that's like the old hash mask like on steroids bonding curve hash mask was just a it wasn't a bonding curve it was a yolo or what do you what was it called like a I forget what they called it, but it went up in increments uh, where the last three of the 1,000 or 10,000 were like an ETH or each, whereas the first ones were like 0.1 or whatever. (laughs) Didn't keyboard pay like a 100 for the last one? It did, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and Danny, (laughs) keyboard and Danny went all in on the freaking hash mask, dude. (laughs) (laughs) The good old days. (laughs) The good old days. But anyway, it, it provides this crazy FOMO effect where... Just imagine, I mean, what happens on that bonding curve if it's like, oh, if I buy this key, I'm entitled to this NFT and there's five hundred of them. I mean, cause what does five hundred keys get you to an ETH value? I don't know, but it's a lot. It's a lot. It's like so a hundred a hundred is like you're at you're over one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Missing. So maybe start with hundred. But like if that's and then you use that as your PFP when you're on base, uh, and as like a total flex. You know, like you were here early and you're cool and then I don't know. I mean, there, that's just one idea. Like, there's so many ideas like that 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 would be cool.
1: I think it's, I think it actually, this steps on, in my opinion, a lot of the sort of narratives that people use to sell PFPs in 2021, like being a part of some social club that this other person is in and getting access to them or whatever. Now you just cut out that middleman and go straight to the person. And now I'm in that group. Right. But that, then you can almost flip the script. And I think you could see like, you know, you're in this person's group and they just dropped this PFP that only you can get in their group. Now it's like, it's sort of flipping it all around, but I, I think that that model may actually translate better, you know, down the line than like trying to do big, large scale PFP stuff, honestly.
0: I do too. And we thought about it, you know, when we did our project and, and like, we were like, oh, we want to have it linked to a chat, you know, like a lot of what people want is to, re- is to recreate what happened with Unks and 2020 where like it was like the best chat around like all the all the like Mm. not i want to say cool but like all the like really great nice people that you meet that have all this input that have built all these things they all started a lot lot of them started in the punks chat and discord and and it's hard to recreate that now but but frintech kind of does that to a degree and that's what's that's one of the things that's really cool about it is you can find yourself in these rooms like was talking about you have like a developer and a DeFi person and an artist and they're all talking and um The way that the owner and I guess we should also explain just the basics of how it works. Like maybe you guys can probably explain it better than me. But like for like, what if I join your room, Barat, Like, what do I see and what do I not see? And how do you curate the room and kind of set the tone in the room?
3: Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny. You have to respond to the individual in order for everybody else to be able to see it, right? So if you post in my room, Scaly, and I just do a, a generic response back, but I don't at you, I don't reply back to you directly people will just see my post. They won't see what your initial, you know, your question or your thought was, which is kind of interesting, right? Because this way you can do some kind of filtering because, you know, yeah. you, you're going to have these people in the room that are either trying to shill their stuff. And that, that happens a lot, right? The the shilling is like a bit much yeah. uh, because they're trying to grow their network or whatever. But, um, but so, so th- that, that ability is kind of neat. Um, and I, I tend to respond to almost everybody because I want people to know the other names that are in the room and for them to build kind of their own social rapport in there, right? As as creatives themselves. So I think that's a very positive, self enforcing, you know, kind of gets everybody kind of uplifted kind of a, a an approach. And I think a lot of a lot of the folks that I see managing their rooms do the same thing. You know, they're very good about sharing, you know, the good from other rooms and attributing back to who it came from and you know, there's a really nice positive effect that happens there.
0: I do want to give a shout out to the weirdest Fintech user I've come across. This guy named Wombat. I'm sure you guys have seen him too. And he he bought like 800 of his keys or something. So his his ETH price is super high. It's like two ETH or five ETH, like ETH or something. Six or seven. Yeah, it's like He's, seven ETH. He is number one now. He's seven point three one. Yeah, but what is his plan? Like, what the fuck is he doing? Like nobody He's else so- buys his keys, and then he goes in your room and he posts these cryptic long messages that i don't even respond to
3: because they don't make any sense the the funny thing is he's like completely playing the opposite game right in other words after they announced that self-buys are nerfed right you had people like cbb completely flip cbb is the number one blur farmer today right so when he came on frintech his initial play was i'm gonna farm the heck out of this and i'm gonna just you know buy all my own tokens but the moment the points drop, they realized, okay, I'm going to have to pivot very quick. So they pivoted, and then they started buying all of the people who bought their tokens, right? So who bought their keys, and now they're doing all of these trades. And I think they just moved into the top five. Wombat's very interesting because if you do the math, I think the you know if if you say it's like a you know what what uh, the point distribution is like a hundred points per ETH, I think right now, right? Um, Wombat is on a pace for about, you know, 10 X that, I mean, it's like, it's a ludicrous number. It's not 10 X that, but it's like, you know, he's paying like, he's getting like, you know, half the amount of points for the eat spent. So in other words, he's getting social swag out of it, but he's not necessarily getting anything else other than social swag. Right. So which could be his play. Maybe he wants to be number one and that's his way of being number one. I have two, I have two possible interpretations because I think one
1: could just be this person just wants to flex like it could just be as simple as that like i don't know them at all so like who knows the other could be if you're really betting on this thing really taking off and like there being some kind of mania in a couple of months if people were to come in and start putting like real speculation on like the top person's keys like think about the amount of money they might make like i don't i have no idea like it would have it would require it it costs a lot like for the key because i do think it goes up by a fixed percentage every time on the curve. Like I could be wrong, but we could check that out later. But uh, if so, like it gets super freaking expensive to buy these people at the top after a certain point. But you know, if if not, dude, five percent of seven ETH, if you trade it a bunch of times a day, that's a fuck ton of money. So yeah. we'll we'll see. But I don't know. It could, it could legitimately just be somebody who's got a bunch of money and wants to like,
3: you know, I don't know, mess so, with anything about it. You think about funds coming in, right? If funds are coming in and the only way that they can participate in this network, 70th is nothing to them, right? So to your point, if they go and they say, I'm going to buy like multiple keys of the top 50, right? Just imagine what happens. It's just absolutely bonkers. It's absolutely yeah. bonkers. Yeah. And, and you know, it's,
1: dude, who knows? I mean, it, when things get real crazy, a lot of people, a lot of due diligence goes out the window. So yeah. the people may, may come <laughs> in and just start going like, they may just start going like, "Oh, there's the top ten people. Just
0: buy ten. Yeah. each. you know who knows. Like who's So, what are the
3: airdrop rules that we know? You said that they did nerf where you can't buy your own keys and get points. Yeah, they're 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 putting you know some mechanisms in place to reduce the number of points you get. Right. So if you self buy, you're you're basically you're going to get less. Right. Um. So there are some of those things. Three and three comma three relationships are very strong and very you know, plus for points, um, having a low defection rate. So in other words, if, if somebody, if if I sell your key, right? And you still hold my key, that's good for you. That's that's extra points for you. But I get hit pretty hard, right? Um, mm. But now if I sell your key and then you sell my key, that's called spite. <laughs> so, so then that also impacts you, right? And I think there's also this benefit for holding keys for a long period of time. So if you have keys that you bought You know, five six weeks ago, right? If you still hold those, those there's some multipliers. Mm. I'm not sure what those are, but those are also strong, strong plus there. So, if your
0: approach was to get as many points as possible, and let's say you had 10 ETH, you go in there, you don't buy, you buy one or two of your keys, but then you just buy all other people's keys with a three-three relationship, and that would be the way to optimize, and then never sell any of them. That would be the way to optimize.
3: That would be a good way to do it, and I. I call it strategic 3-3 because people do 3-3, but they do it with people who they don't even know, right? And you're probably, you have a diminishing value because that individual may not be active, right? So ideally it's a bond with somebody that you know, um, or you've seen and heard from other people that they are, you know, doing a really great job in their rooms. And then you have a win-win, right? Because if there's key parity or, you know, you're close enough, I think it works out really well that way. And then just to clarify for people who don't know, three
0: three just means I buy yours, you buy me. It's not correct. you don't buy three of them, you just buy one, right? That's correct. That's exactly right. And it comes from Ohm or whatever. We don't have to get into that. It's some stupid stupid game theory thing. It is, it is a, it's it's ohm. What's really funny is all the people
1: on space is going like, actually, Ohm wasn't that bad of an idea. I'm like, oh God. Here we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this time it's different. Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that's happened to me, I'm wondering if there's a tool, there must be a tool that can prevent this. So it's not always bad because I'll get into it. So like you buy some, you you identify someone on Twitter and you're like, oh, that's probably a good key to own. I like them. I know them. or I know of them. And then you buy the key and you get in there and it's like, wah, wah, they haven't posted ever or in like three weeks. And you're like, well, that's kind of a buzzkill. Is there a tool that you can use to show you how many times
3: and when they've posted before you get a key? I haven't seen one yet. Mm. I'm sure there's somebody who's doing that though, because that's yeah. the alpha, right? That's yes. the that's the real data. That's the data right there. Because you could plot that, and, and then if you see somebody whose key seems kind of
0: cheap for what you would guess, you could sort of assume it's because they don't they're not active. But then sometimes those are good buys because all you for all you know in a week they're going to come in there and like drive up the price a lot, right? Sometimes yeah. just someone saying fucking GM after three days and then ten people buy a key. I've seen that happen. Yeah. I think you can, I don't think,
1: you can definitely track, you know, uh, the last time they logged in. Like, that's sort of Mm. a proxy for some of that, but, like, doesn't really tell you if Mm. they're talking or not. It just tells you they're using the app.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not quite as good of a data point, but it could be useful. Yeah, I almost thought of going into my room and saying, I'm not going to say anything for a week. Let's see what that does. (laughs) Just see. And then come back and tell everybody, I'm going to buy 10 ETH worth of my
1: keys tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
0: there we go yeah that was fun i did that so i i bought i was gonna buy so, someone was telling me oh the way you do this is you could you join and you buy all your keys right away because they're gonna be cheaper and that drives your value up and that's just shows that you're into your own you know shows that you're into it and you're because you're probably not going to sell your own keys and so um i'm like all right i'll put aside two eth and i'll buy two eth of my keys and i was about to just buy them and i'm like well wait a minute It'd be kind of fun if I told everyone I was going to buy them and then waited like 12 hours and told them exactly when I was going to buy them so they could front run me. (laughs) It'd be more expensive for me, but I'm still only spending two ETH. I just get less keys. So who really cares? And I'm going to get more trading fees. And it'd just be fun to see what happens when I do this. And so I did it. It actually was pretty fun. It was like, there was only like maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15 people in the room at the time. But like, definitely I saw activity spike. And it was funny because I tweeted it and I only got like three likes on the tweet, but like eight or 10 people bought my keys. So it's funny, like people weren't even liking the tweet and they're going in and buying the keys because they didn't want to amplify the tweet. Uh, and that's how it goes, man. That's how it goes with these things.
1: Like I told, I told somebody this yesterday because they're like, I just tweeted out something and nobody liked it, but a bunch of people just bought my
0: key. It's exactly that, dude. Like it's weird. nobody wants, nobody wants to share, you know? And I almost wonder if the algo is like, is like penalizing you for mentioning friend tech or something it wouldn't surprise me it's funny it's
3: a little conspiracy theory but you, yeah i mean you you know he's watching the metrics right you know he's looking at his because he's he's a DJ himself right so i'm sure elon's like looking at all of the patterns and he's like what is happening here right why are, why is this cohort of people just completely absent <laughs> why are they disappearing? Yeah. right he's he's probably thinking it and you know he, he shortly after you know ft launched i think it was like three weeks later he said you know twitter's gonna put a paywall on content guess what why because they want to be able to pay creators right so interesting that he would come out and say that so um obviously he's got a lot of work ahead of him to to get that to actually work but we'll know it's serious if he's like
1: we're
2: putting a bonding curve on on content was <laughs> <laughs> to right. he's probably got a big enough ego to be von batas right that could be elon Oh yeah. <laughs> He wants to be top. If, if there's gonna be an app that's destroying Twitter, he wants to be top. This is how conspiracy
3: theories get started. Like I think we figured I, I, it out. I kinda of like that one actually. I really like that one.
2: Yeah, that has legs for sure. That's definitely Elon. That's the Elon's alt account. And just another quick one. Um, one of the most extreme cases I've seen of joined the app, stayed dormant, people sold off their keys, and then they exploded is at Pepe. Have you seen this um the game? So he's basically created a game where um the top key holder if and when he ever gets to the top of the list above von Battis, um, gets the Twitter handle at Pepe it's, uh, apparently in, in previous times he's had bids from the Pepe coin people like they've bid up to 250 ETH for this handle so in his mind it has some serious value and at some I think he probably thought he would launch it and someone quickly would come in and play the game and they kind of did the the key price ramped up from 0.02 0.03 or whatever to like 1.5 ETH pretty quick and then tailed off but I think if someone really wants this handle, probably what they'll do is wait until interest in Fentech wanes entirely and they can scoop it for, for much cheaper, but yeah, I, I, wondered if any of you have come across that and what you thought of that or similar games. I haven't seen that. I saw There was a guy yesterday whose key
1: went nuts and supposed supposedly hash, you know, asterisk, whatever, broke the website. He posted that he was giving away a Tesla. When his key hits four ETH or something, and he's got like layered in rewards, so he's like at one ETH, I'm gonna give away some NFT at two, this one and three, that one, and at four he's mm-hmm. giving away like a Model wow. S or something.
3: Wow, I wonder how he stands behind that stuff, right? I mean, well, right. That's, that's, I think that really you you have this leap of faith thing going on, and it's like you know, a friend of
1: mine, a friend of mine is in his group from before, before it went crazy. And he was like, so we're sitting there discussing the math. And he was like, if I get the four ETH, the fees are probably going to look like this. And he owns some kind of business that has Teslas or something. So he has access to cars and this, I don't know, whatever the deal is. Right. And uh, like, he was like, my friend's like, yeah, so I went and bought a bunch of keys. Like, yeah, of course. (laughs) So, you know, now everybody's happy. But uh, yeah, it's it's funny because I had a, there was an NFT project. In 21 that did a really similar game like toward the end of the the hype cycle you know and, and it didn't it didn't even get to the point where they were going to give away a car but it's like i haven't i've heard this before you know this is this is like people were trying
0: these things yeah that gets pretty sketch. but i think if you could tie it to something like in a smart contract that would certainly be you know a lot safer so let's talk about tools real quick because uh steven you built a tool why don't you talk about that a little bit
1: yeah so uh I uh I kind of got in, I was explaining at the beginning. Like I got botted right at the beginning and thought, oh crap, this is interesting. People are already sort of building stuff around this. And uh I kind of just wanted to see what was going on. Actually, I think it was Levi or somebody tweeted out something like, um, you know, one of the benefits of holding my keys is that you can see the purchases I'm making. And I'm sitting here going, like, all this stuff is on chain. <laughs> so Then I just sat down and for like a couple hours, just cracked away, like making like a little dashboard where I could see what everybody's buying. You know, like I wrote a little, I have from our NFT marketplace, I have kind of a baseline indexer. And so I just took the indexer, brought it over to base, changed it around to match the transactions and started indexing all the stuff that was happening. And then and then like I shared it with some people, people thought it was cool. And uh, I just kind of kept iterating on it. And then I had the bright idea, I reached out to Manifold. and I was like, "Hey, what do you think about if you give your holders access to this?" you know and they're like, "Yeah, cool, sure." And so we just started talking, and now they're giving me product feedback and stuff and I think i like I said earlier, like I mean in a nutshell, what it does is let you you know track everybody's transactions, what they've bought, you know who bought their key performance uh you know there's some very rudimentary p and l stuff. I'm gonna add some three three stuff later um all this sort of stuff. And then I had the bright idea because I thought it was funny. What if everybody had a trading view chart? And so this is kind of like where I start going into like, you know, more DJ territory. And now I have people, because I remember like in the in the bull market, everybody's tweeting out, including me, like, you know, their charts, lines drawn all over the place, you know, trying to predict things. And I'm just like, imagine if you had a million of those, like that's sort of where where my mind was going. And now I'm getting some people who are like, you know, posting charts all the time and stuff. So it's kind of fun. Um, and then like, I'm what I'm looking at is like, you know, it's funny because everybody kind of had a similar idea. Like let's build some analytics tools and like give people access if you hold the key. What I'm looking at is like, I'm going to create a bunch of public stuff that's free for everyone. Potentially, I'm thinking about adding like a news dashboard where we can like post like cool tweets and stuff and then letting all my key holders like post stuff. You know, so you have like, if I'm getting a lot of traffic, people can basically have like an advertising board or something. I don't even know yet. I'm just kind of like messing around with ideas. I think the big one is I'm working with manifold on doing their pre-sale stuff. So they built this bot that essentially solves a problem of like, you know, you're a big account and you join and everybody gets, you know, bought it to L. Uh, this way, essentially, they write a bot. They bought it for you, get whatever number of keys you want, and then you join in as like a fan of that person in the presale and get guaranteed access to the keys you want. So it's kind of a it's a hodgepodge of interesting things right now, and I'm gonna you know work on putting it together as a cohesive thing over time. Now, when people talk about manifold, it's not the same manifold as the NFT thing, is it? No, it's a, it's I I don't know a ton about it, to be honest. It's Manifold Trading is the Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And if you go on their website, you know, they're like a web three venture capital firm and they have some like, you know, in-house, like pretty serious
0: technical capabilities. Yeah. So it's kind of confusing that when I heard Manifold, I thought, oh, I didn't realize Richard was that into tech, but I guess it's a different Manifold. You'd be, you'd be surprised at the number of
3: people who have tagged Richard, poor Richard. Into poor Richard. <laughs> and he told me like, oh, hey, you know, it helps my brand. It's it's all goodness. But uh yeah, I, I do feel bad because I think a lot of people have conflated the two. And moonbags, tell us how to get in touch with you.
0: Um you're o- at ox moonbags is your Twitter handle.
1: Yeah, at Zero X Moonbags. Um yeah, if you follow me or want to shoot me a DM, anything like that, feel free.
0: The other tool not to talk about your competitor, but the other tool that I, I see Pep has and that I probably all of us are using is xfriend.tech, which is um, pretty awesome. It allows you to incorporate. It's a browser extension, and then it when you log into it with your um, account that has their key, then they let you um, see like like when you're just scrolling in Twitter, if someone is on Friend Tech, it'll show you their key price, how many keys they hold, how many people hold their keys. And their address, and then if you click on the address, it actually takes you straight to the app to that chat room. And then if you click on their profile when you're scrolling, it'll it'll show you a chart of their price, and then you can actually buy and sell their key right in the Twitter app without doing anything different. So yeah, I really I really like that one. I think that one's super slick
1: for just seamless UX. Actually, um, a friend of mine showed me that, and I was like, dang, that's a cool idea.
0: Um, yeah, it, it is pretty sweet because you can. It, no the one thing that i would love to have it on there is if you could see when they last chatted was because like i said i bought a few keys just straight from there and then you enter the room and it's like a ghost town but yeah yeah
1: that one i don't i don't know like you know from a security perspective you can't access the messages of other people's chats obviously via the api and stuff the only thing i've been able to find so far is just like when they were last on
0: which is kind of more rudimentary right i wonder if um I wonder if there's some way, yeah, but that, that would have to be manual. I'm like, if you have a key and you could somehow broadcast when they've last chatted or yeah, something, you'd, it's kind of you helpful. could. That's some of these guys who are setting up these
1: aggregator rooms, right? Like you go into their, you buy their key, you get access to their Discord, and they're like, have an aggregator that's showing like everything going on in all the rooms where they have keys. So, then, yeah, if you're, if, hmm. if you got in touch with one of these people who's bought, you know, 500 keys
0: or something, then you could get a pretty good idea of all of those, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then of course there's, I mean there's a lot of alpha out there, like it's sort of gaming a system, but let, let's say any random, let's say Snowfro was going to buy a key, well he's hes actually too big of a name, let's say someone, smaller name like someone like me, like just some random punk person you like some people have heard of, some have it, and their key isn't worth that much, and they haven't really done anything and they're planning to do some big hype project in their room but they're waiting like a week to announce it you know if you knew that the day before obviously that would be interesting information to have and i'm sure there's all kinds of stuff like that floating around yeah for sure and and you get
1: people to like uh i'm in this one board apes chat uh it's funny because like if you got if you get into the right rooms like there's this one room i think that i don't know the handle but the user or the name on twitter is like shiny magic or something like the pokemon and uh I got in their room and they seem to know like everybody and like so they've made a few calls and like I bought it, it was super super cheap and then like it goes crazy the next day or two you know and uh that's that's an interesting one and like one of the people that he suggested is a board ape and I got in their room and now they're talking about they're potentially going to deploy capital and it is a lot of interesting stuff like that going on you know Um, people sharing information so for sure there's a lot of alpha
0: How secure do you think it is? I mean I do kind of worry about the security of all this Uh, if there's a lot of ETH like I don't have that much ETH but let's say you have a hundred ETH plus on there like is this really it seems like the hottest of hot wallets I don't I I wouldn't keep a lot of
1: actual ETH in this wallet um actually it makes me I don't want to FUD because that's not my end game here I'm actually very bullish on all this One of the things that I hope we see is like instead of just using a text message login, that's been fraught with problems for a lot of people. I really want to see them add like an authenticator app, for example, you know, instead of like just a straight up SMS, as far as the wallet is concerned. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody would have any insight into that, like how they're storing it or any of those things. Um, if you're going to export the private key, you gotta be super careful, obviously. Um, I did mine at home on my Wi-Fi. I would never do it anywhere else, you know, stuff like that, like basic kind of security stuff. Don't paste it into like, you know, a chat and try to send it somewhere, ideally, things along those lines. Um, but yeah, it's 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 sort of hard to say like what the actual backend security is. I just, the only thing that for sure stuck out to me is like we need to get
0: authenticator app hooked up instead of text. So as far as exporting, uh, I think, I'll, I'll walk you through that, like if you don't know, because it was a little scary for me to do. So, so first of all, I didn't realize that if you have MetaMask, like I have like ten MetaMask accounts, right? But they're all under the same seed phrase. And so I thought, what I I thought to import this, I had to like delete my MetaMask and then restart it. But you don't. If you click on there under account and say import account, that treats it separately. So that that account is separate than all your other accounts, and it's listed as like imported account or whatever. And so then you just import the um, the secret key. And probably the safest way to do that would be only on your desktop at home. But you could actually turn off your Wi Fi and then just copy it uh from copy it on the clipboard from uh tech, paste it into MetaMask, and then after you do that, turn your Wi Fi back on. I feel like that's probably the safest way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's for the average
1: person, that's gonna be the best way to do it and not have to worry too much. You know, I don't know. I like the thing is, like, I'm not a, I'm an application developer. There's a lot of things I know, security expertise is like, you know, you know, the basics, but I'm not like these cyber freaks. So, um, I, I don't try to give too much advice, but that's how I did it. I
3: just, yeah, that's the right approach. And you could also turn VPN on, right? When you're at home. Yeah. So just, yeah, encrypt, encrypt the tunnels so you're not, uh, you know, exposing yourself. Um, that way you don't have to shut Wi Fi off, but yeah. Um, What
0: you don't want to do is you don't want to email it
3: or uh, put it in a cloud. You don't want to put it in some kind of a cloud app. Yeah, exactly. Don't do it at Starbucks. (laughs) Exactly. And also I got to, you know, double click on what Steven said. I think it's absolutely right. Having two-factor auth that's non-SMS based would be a huge, huge win, right? Because this is a a very scary proposition, especially as TVL starts to increase and people
2: are managing multiple, you know, managing a larger amount of ETH uh, in, um, in these accounts. One one thing you can do at the moment is not register using a phone number, register with the Google email option, because then you can put 2FA on your Google email, which is much going to be much more secure and That's no right. vulnerability to sim swapping. Um, I mean, we mentioned a week or two ago, but even our great leader Vitalik got sim swapped recently, so no one is yeah. invulnerable. And- it's also important to go, now we're talking about it, go
0: to your Google account settings and remove your phone number completely. It's hard to do. They like they, they keep it on there forever, Like even if you try to delete it, but you can actually delete your phone number and only use, like I use Authy, use a 2FA, and that way it's impossible for them to get access with a SIM swap. But th- yeah. they will occasionally remind you, like I get these reminders
3: from Google, like please enter your phone number, but that's kind of how I know that they, it's still not on there again. That's right. The other thing to do would be to get a YubiKey because you want a hardware encrypt, right? You can't spoof hardware. You can spoof software at any point. So a YubiKey would be a great way to have a a hardcore attested mail setup. Yeah. I think that's a gold standard actually. Yeah. So thanks
0: for mentioning that. I've gone through all the permutations of how you could hack Authy and I guess it's possible, but you have to turn off the ability to add a new device and then you only turn it on when you add the device and then you immediately turn it off again. And that makes it pretty safe, I think. All right, I think it's been a little over an hour. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, Stephen and Brad. Do you guys have any questions about or anything else you guys wanted to comment on friendtech before we uh, wrap up? No, man, this has been uh, this has been
1: fun. I, I'm super excited about just experimenting and see where all this goes. You know, um, I don't really have like a. It's interesting listening to people a lot talk and make really bold statements, but this is it's the same old story in crypto. Like this is a new paradigm and all this kind of stuff, right? And who knows, maybe it will be this time, but like. I'm
3: just excited to try it and see where it goes. Yeah, likewise, we really enjoyed you guys having me on for the conversation. It was great chatting with you two, Stephen, and uh, yeah, excited for tech that makes it to the mainstream. Right, that would be huge. Um, you know, be awesome to even get a, a handful of people. Right, just change, change what we've seen to date. And everybody listening should buy all of our keys and come and chat with
0: us, <laughs> <laughs> and then sell them, and then buy them again, and then sell them. By the yeah,
1: if you could do that about 4,000 times, it'd be, it'd be ideal.
3: All right, thanks, guys. I'm gonna
2: appreciate op- it. Thanks. Take care, thanks, man. Can Steven stay for five more minutes so we can talk about avalanche stuff quickly? Because then I can kind of splice it in when we were talking about it before and we touched on it. Oh, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, I am happy to talk about whatever. We're done, we're done have How to long cr- You guys?
2: you guys normally do this for like about an hour? Is that right? It's about an hour, yeah having done a bunch of these we we did it for about 20-25 episodes just as a group of friends like hangout style and then we were like right we need to get more guests and you start you can see people's eyes after about 55 minutes the attention starts to wane you, you there's a certain moment you can definitely pick up on it as well so i may be the opposite um so yeah just I'm, again, up. i guess i wanted to ask about campfire you're one of the co-founders right yeah yeah, okay. yeah um like for people who don't know maybe the elevator pitch like my understanding is it's the the most popular NFT marketplace on Avalanche is that about right? Um, I would say that you know, we're the main art
1: marketplace on Avalanche. Um, Avalanche has a very small NFT ecosystem at the moment. Um, we at our business have been sort of facilitating kind of like an underground art scene for probably about a year. So we do things like we have. Uh, auction space once a week for hours, where any artist can come up. They mint on our platform. We'll even give people AVAX if they want to mint, um, you know, within reason. <laughs> we're not we're not loaded with AVAX but you know what I mean. So, like, you know, for new artists coming on, we'll help make it super frictionless, and then like people can come up and just present their work and talk about it. We try to keep the conversation not on price and stuff like that, but more on like concepts. I studied design. For Forward three years in college and then switched to physics like a weirdo um but i appreciate art a lot um and then our co-founder josh has mfa and like in visual studies or something i should know the answer to that but anyway um like we just really try to show people a good time and support emerging artists and um it's starting to catch on like we've had you know some bigger artists from eth come over people who've been on super rare and stuff who started doing some stuff with us uh yeah so it's just it's it's in it's a it's an early scene that i hope we can like do something really cool with i know that the avalanche uh Labs, the company that runs avalanche is like they've set aside quite a bunch of money to sort of create incentives and you know potentially support different things and whatever and so we're going to start seeing some of that roll out and uh yeah it's going to be um i don't know this is a long elevator pitch we're in a tall building but uh, <laughs> but anyway yeah that's that's the gist man we're just like we're just trying to support artists and and build a cool product so
2: was but, it that go on Scotty. i would say i'm checking it out now it's cool okay. yeah so yeah. was it the was it that kind of that potential budget and developer ecosystem support that drew to avalanche versus Another L1 or ETH, like what took you to Avalanche?
1: You know, what's funny is I started building stuff on ETH and then we went to Polygon for this game because it was just too expensive to consider. We ran like 10,000 chain link transactions or something on Polygon. So something ridiculous. And it was not expensive at all on Polygon and would have cost a freaking fortune on ETH. Um, So one of the people in our group was like, hey, you should check out Avalanche. I hear good things about it. That's about all it was. We started going and kicking the tires and nobody had really built a great NFT marketplace yet and so we just kind of said hey let's build one and that started um us on this journey and in the very beginning it was just like we're going to build the first like quote-unquote permissionless NFT marketplace we index everything anybody meant a collection it shows up etc cetera, etc cetera. and then over the next year what unfolded is you have A ton of marketplaces launch on avalanche for some reason i think we have the highest marketplace to user ratio everybody has their own marketplace um but anyway so we kind of said at some point you know what we're really passionate about is art and supporting artists like we've been you know selling monkey pfps and stuff and we like all that that's cool but like let's focus on the art because now there's plenty of marketplaces so that's kind of where we just
2: started lasering in and that's what we're going to keep doing you know and you were the first marketplace to index zero one as well i believe oh yeah yeah zero one is a cool thing are
1: you familiar with this uh, you guys know colburn
2: yeah yeah I, i've been using it i know scaly hasn't so it'd be interesting if you tell us briefly what that is as well
1: yeah zero one's an interesting thing in my opinion it's probably the only thing in the space that has uh kind of captured attention it's a very different market segment but like it's been super exciting to watch similar to FriendTech in a way probably a little bit lower scale at the moment but essentially what it is, they integrated this thing which we've now integrated uh, called Biconomy, which is um, a gasless transaction. So they basically pay for your transactions. So artists can come in, you mint one piece, and that allows you to collect 10 other pieces for free. And so it's sort of the idea is a creator-to-creator collecting ecosystem. And then we integrated with them uh, so that you can actually sell it on secondary. Because with all the sort of weirdness of these wallets that are gasless, like, you know, you don't actually own that wallet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now it's really interesting, like on Campfire and on Zero One, you can log in with Twitter or your email or whatever, and you get a wallet spun up for you, or you can use your regular MetaMask, whichever you prefer. And then like, you can do certain things without gas, which is pretty cool.
2: It reminds me a lot of the Tezo's hicket Nunk thing, where a lot of really credible artists found enjoyment in minting for free partly because in in this instance, they get to collect for every time they mean, as, as um, Steven said, um, and then the same thing as, as on hen in, when it first booted up, there was no secondary, there was no expectation of profit afterwards. Um, and I guess campfire is then going to facilitate that in the same way that hen sort of evolved over time.
1: Yeah. It's been really interesting. Like, I think, um, what we want to do going forward, I've been trying to tell people this for forever um, having conversations about NFTs. I like 2017 looked totally different than 2021. And I think 2024, 25, 29, whatever year it is, whenever we all get excited again, like, you know, it's going to look different than 2021 did. And, and I think what I'm trying to do right now, pretty aggressively is like pay really close attention on what works about zero one, what works about friend tech, and integrate certain aspects of that. Um, I have a lot of ideas right now. I, I, we're kind of going to stick our toes in the water a little bit with this gasless cross chain. You know, we started calling it a key drop, but then I saw there was somebody who already created a Twitter account called Key Drops. And I'm like, I don't know what we're going to call it yet, but whatever. It's like, you know, artists can come in, you know, without gas, set up an addition, and then anybody who holds their keys or whatever, like you could have any number of sort of logical conditions to use programmer speak or. In the case of like my friend Scribbles drop Scribble Warlock, it's my keys, his keys, or Jonathan Little's keys. So you can do like a combination and we'll verify all this stuff on chain at the time of mint, and then you can just claim your NFT and no gas, whatever. So like I think it's really a good time
2: right now to just be experimenting and trying new stuff. You know, it's sort of how I'm looking at it. Like I mentioned to Scaly when I showed him friends like a week or two ago, like whether whether the, the- the idea of buying and selling your friends is is a long lasting idea. Um, they have tried a bunch of cool stuff like the the PWA thing. I know PWAs aren't anything new. Progressive web apps aren't anything new, but they have. It's one of the first crypto apps that's really yeah popularized yeah. that and, and and circumvented having to give Apple thirty percent of, of of revenue, or whatever it is. And and also the privy thing, like you kind of hinted at the start of the pod that you're not really overly enamored with that security model. But it's still it's one of the first. Apps to really get tracks and using that onboarding. You know, um, this is a little bit of a left turn, but I just thought it
1: was I think it's really relevant. Like you were talking about um the Discord for CryptoPunks And you were talking about how that was this magical moment for a lot of the NFT artists that were really successful in 2021, there was a similar moment on Clubhouse, you know, where like all these people met and they networked and all this kind of stuff. So I was I was actually talking with Sabet yesterday. He's we're working on doing a drop with him on Campfire. And he was asking me about Frientex. I've been posting like a, like a crazy person. And um, he was like, you know, tell me about it. Give me the pitch. And so I talked to him and he wanted to sign up and stuff. And he was like, but do you think it has like staying power? And I kind of had this thought that's like Clubhouse isn't really around anymore in the way that it was. Right. But it was a moment where if you were there, it was really beneficial to you. And I don't know for sure because I don't know that you can while you're in the moment. But I have quite a bit of conviction that, like right now, getting involved in front tech, like I'm meeting people that I never would have met otherwise. And I think that that's sort of like okay, the wheels are turning. This is a good spot to be, even if it only lasts for four months. Like if you meet a bunch of cool people, that might lead to whatever the next thing is. And so I don't think it's important to really overanalyze like the longevity of it. If like you're an artist. For example, I think it's just like, just jump in, have a good time, experiment, try new stuff. If somebody wants you to to criticize you for trying new stuff, then those people should not be in crypto, you know?
0: Yeah. That's a really good point because that's exactly what my approach was um, when I started. And it was, it was bare times like it is now. And so it was sort of like you would try anything you learned about, you would try it. You would, you would put a very small amount of money in whatever minimal amount you had to. Not as an investment, just as a, I got to figure this out and see what it's all about. And I probably did that with 20 things, you know, and two or three of them paid off great financially later on. That, but that wasn't even the main reason. It was more like, you know the more you do this stuff the more people you meet the more fun it all is for you and then all of a sudden it's five years later and you're like all of a sudden considered like an og because you were there five years ago when frintech started and i remember being in your room on day three and all that this and yeah yeah i mean it may not be this one it might be something else but i think that's always a good attitude to have now the people that are aping in with like all this eth to try to airdrop points and i mean that's just super risky uh, you know but i don't think that's what any of us are doing
1: yeah no and actually i think this is an interesting point too is like Um, in terms of the longevity, again, that's a hard conversation to have question to answer, however you want to say that, but like this presents an opportunity for people who don't bring in a ton of ETH, right? Like I brought in 0.1 ETH and bought a couple of my friend's keys and my portfolio value quote unquote, and I was like around five ETH or something like in two weeks. Like that's, I haven't had that happen in a while in crypto, you know? So I think where I'm kind of seeing this go is like, there's an opportunity here for people who have potentially like not the big bag to just bring in and try to farm the airdrop to actually make money you know even if it only lasts for four to six months or three months or whatever the number is like it's still an interesting thing to try so uh, that's something i think that a lot of the conversations that i hear about airdrop farming and this and that is like don't discount the fact that now you have all of these people who are hustling their ass off to try to like get the value up on their key And that's a huge time investment going into this platform, you know, and like, if you start getting artists who are like pushing their work through this channel, even part of their work, like you can see a lot of interesting things happen. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out yet, but I think it's going to be interesting.
0: I I haven't seen an artist. Have you guys seen an artist do this yet? Where like a a relatively famous artist in the space opens up a, you know, a, a channel here where, and they actually engage. So like, you know, there's only so many people in a room, right? Like at, at a one ETH price, how many people are in the room? Like hundred, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one ETH is reasonable. You have a hundred people. As long as the artist is giving you value in the sense of like, not necessarily like financial value, but just like answering your questions, talking to you, engaging you, making it fun. Like I could definitely see that, you know, being something that artists would want to do. And then, yeah, and then they could reward their uh, key holders with, special art or or whitelist uh you know stuff or whatever there's all kinds of stuff they could do
1: it's a cultural aspect too and i think this is where i think some things have to get smoothed over a little bit because like i me being me like i came in i bought like killer acids keys i bought some of my friends keys you know that i, that I know from avax and whatever and then like uh sabat and and a number of other ones and i'm trying to actually collect all these artist keys just because i like them you know um no expectation of what they will or won't do necessarily but what's funny is like people do show up in these rooms and everybody kind of sees the potential and so you get you get people very directly going like are you going to like airdrop us something you know yeah. and it's like i think that 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 kind of sucks it's it's not dissimilar similar from like whenever uh somebody manifold tweeted out something about me the other day and then like all of a sudden a bunch of people buy my key and instantly i get people coming in like do you three three you know and it's like yeah I I'm kind of in this state where I just like I I stay where I'm vibing with people and then if I don't like the conversation or whatever I just sell the key or whatever like I, yeah, I overthink it you know, but uh, yeah I think artists there's there's a cultural aspect where you get really immediately confronted with people going like are you gonna give me some value and I I don't know how to change that. That may not be able to change. you know.
0: At the very least you can say, no, I'm not going to do that. Fuck off. And then they sell your key and you're here, you get the transaction fee every time. So (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you can cultivate your room and meanwhile, you're making money doing it. Yeah. And actually be funny. Imagine if you're in there and you get to see it happen. Like you see some chump come in there and immediately start busting the artist's balls and then he amplifies the message rather than ignoring it. If the artist ignores it, you never see it. Right. But let's say the artist just puts a little period next to the reply so everyone can see it. And then you're like, oh, this, this is going to be good. <laughs> that would be fun. You know, uh, they need a
1: little bit of a better onboarding process for explaining this because, I, like, what I what I've tried to tell people is like, you can actually really curate this like a feed, right? Like, you show people what you want them to see, and that's a really cool feature. It's not just an open chat room, and most people don't get it until somebody. You always see this like when the first yeah. i just like, you know, that you have to reply in
0: order for yeah. to See who you're talking to, so. I know it's kind of funny how they don't have any explainer, but at the same time, that's kind of fun. Like, yeah. that's exactly what happened to me. I think someone had to tell me like three different times, like, dude, like you have to actually reply or we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not obvious at all. Um, no, I'm, I'm
1: excited about the potential for where like this could benefit creators, but I think it's also like, I do understand why people are hesitant because that, you know, like I'm, I told people recently like I have this extreme degen side and this extreme art appreciating side and I don't think everybody resonates with both sides of that so you know like some conversations like this one it feels like it just fits but there's other times where I like I kind of have to, like I'm not going to show you this part or that part you know so um, but yeah this this platform right now feels very degen and I think there's an opportunity for creatives but
0: it's got to be sort of worked. somebody's going to have to do it first and show how it can happen i don't i don't consider myself that much of a degen so i feel like it i feel like it it's like the perfect amount so like it's way less degen than some fucking shit coin that you heard about in some telegram that you're you know pumping but it certainly has elements of that and so there's almost times where like i'm having a good chat and i'm like oh this is fun it's kind of like i don't even really realize that i'm not on twitter or something and then And then all of a sudden you like click back out and you see all the ups and down arrows and the prices and the wallet balance. And you're like, oh yeah, I did. It's either fun or it's not fun if it goes up or down, but it's a weird marriage of the two, that's for sure. I'll tell you what I mean by me being DJ and Like I built
1: this analytics tool on the first day and there was no usernames. It was just like wallet addresses and amounts. And I just started clicking buy on stuff. I was just like this, 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 this," because like what you can do is you can actually bundle together like addresses and like so i followed all these addresses right and then i can i can look at their whole four of these people bought this thing right and then i would just be like oh these four people with a bunch of money bought this one token and it's still really cheap so token you know key yeah and i would just buy it and so then i would i would go to the app and figure out like who it was afterwards and like that's an interesting experience um i'm not sure i recommend that's funny
0: (laughs) well you're just you're just subtracting it to data then momentum trading it basically right Yeah. I mean, exactly. So
2: I thought that was interesting, but I don't know. I think people like seeing the name better, you know? Reminds me of that, um, that bit in the matrix and it's sci-fi in the matrix. I don't even see names anymore. I just see blonde. brunette Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I should say, I should
0: say if if people are still listening at this point, like they need to remember also you're going to get scammed the way, the way it works is you see, uh, when you're looking for people to buy, you'll see somebody that seems cheap, and then you'll go to buy it and you'll even do your due diligence. You'll click through to Twitter and you'll see, oh, 70,000 followers. That seems about right. And then you just go ahead and buy the key and then you realize it was a scam because they just bought some Twitter account. So the the real way to do it is you have to, if it's someone that you already follow and who follows you, click on the account and see if you have like your DM relationship there. Or if it's not that case, like look through their tweets and you'll see like a an account with 70,000 followers, their tweets get like three likes if it's a fake. Whereas they're, you know, their their tweets will get like 100 likes if they're real that's sort of my best way of determining if it's real but it's it's the, the fakes are pretty good so you can definitely get faked out but see what he's not telling you is this is actually a confession
1: yes. he led me he led me off a cliff uh, To fake we, justin we, we we jumped into fake
0: justin hard man i was buying 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 the fake justin until i realized what if he the wrong justin and there might have been a little alcohol involved <laughs> yeah, on, on on multiple on multiple uh, parts, we gave Justin some trading fees on that one. Fake Justin, stupid fake Justin.
1: It's it's definitely uh it's it's fun and it's kind of addicting and it has all the things like like you said like there's a there's an aha moment in there like if you play with it for a little while you go oh okay this is different it's fun it's something new that's always a good you know that's a good mix for trying stuff in crypto like uh, most
0: things are derivative of something and this may be but it feels fresh. Have any of those competitors taken off? Like there was that one the other day and I clicked on it. It looked just like Twitter. It sucked. It was terrible. Uh, I forget what it was called. Po- post or something? Post. There's Post Tech, which post I think
1: Tech. is... That's it. Yeah. I There's um, there's the only, the only other one that I've tried is Star Shares, which is the Avalanche version. What I will say is they have uh, a really slick user interface, like significantly more polished than any of the other ones. But I don't like it everybody like basically you sign up and then it becomes a chat room like a discord or telegram page or something and so like you don't get to curate it mm-hmm. and i'm not a fan of that part so it just kind of feels like token gated telegram or something which i
0: don't know maybe it has a use case it's not my favorite thing personally remember at the end of the last pod uh, pep and i asked you if someone could vampire attack it they totally could they could just mm-hmm. say hey we'll honor all we'll give you a point for point if you come over to our platform
2: it's just really like the network effects that we talked about earlier. It's really difficult. They've, they've got a huge head start. Um, and like even just the amount of ETH that's now locked into the contract, like how do you migrate that the value that's accrued and it's accrued in part because of well, the network effects of
0: the platform. I guess you would secretly like right now work on a better UI, which that part probably isn't super hard. And then you announce some awesome Ponzi tokenomics where you say, you know, well, you join during this week, and you poured over this much ETH, and we give you this many points, and we honor your your points on there times two, and we're gonna release a coin, and
2: mm-hmm. you know, blah blah blah. That's how you do it. Um, s- slight tangent, but sort of somewhat related. Uh, like, from you're you're a developer, you're an app developer. From your perspective, are they are they shipping at a rate you'd expect them to ship? Like, Friendsilk, are they are they improving it in uh, how you'd expect and at the rate you'd expect? Right. You know, I don't know.
1: I don't know how many people are on the team. If I have to guess, and this just based on the way the app looks, right? And this is all wild speculation, but just based on like the actual aesthetic and how polished the app is or isn't, um, I kind of think they probably spent the last four weeks rebuilding their infrastructure. Like, if I just had to take a wild guess, like, I would probably think these guys got way more popular than they expected to. And they've been just rebuilding servers and stuff. Cause like the thing, wasn't loading and all this crap and still kind of doesn't sometimes on the phone and like all, all of that I, I could be totally wrong that'd be my best guess i think that they're gonna start probably shipping more um sooner but so far i haven't like there's like nice little things but like i don't know i, I wouldn't say it's fast or slow i just i don't know
2: what's going on in the back end you know and i don't know how big their team is Um, what do you think's missing well what, what would you what would you focus on you've got a team of whatever you're, you're the product manager and you've got a team of devs.
1: Yeah. That's a great question. I do, I would personally change the aesthetic a little bit, but that's me. It feels a little dated, um, personally, but setting that aside, like that's just a design thing. I think what would make a lot of sense is some kind of ability to make public posts. You know, if it's, it could be as simple as being able to write like a freaking AOL status you know just like here's my current status and it shows you when it was updated and then as a person viewing from the outside you can go like oh they were on 10 minutes ago and they changed their status to like i'm walking the dog or something and now you know this person's at least active before you buy their key expand that out further you could build a whole freaking like you know public host thing that gives people like a taste of what's going on inside your actual room or what the you know something to let people know because right now unless you know you don't know you know you have to kind of have some like relationship or somebody gave you some alpha or whatever so i think especially if you're going to try to say like this is good for creators at some point you have to make discoverability a bigger deal and make like the ability to like promote yourself in the actual app instead of on other sources a bigger deal i
0: think animated peppy emojis are a must
1: yeah. I think gifts and emojis, like there's like, yes. So there's a lot of basics too. like, I want to be able to send you pictures and ignore them. Uh, you can ignore them or whatever. But like, I yeah. think there's, there's obvious issues with that because like, I mean, there is and there isn't, right? Because this stuff already exists. Like, you know, women get dick pics on Twitter, you know, and whatever. So like, if they if they let you, if they let me send pictures or anybody send pictures to anybody else, you have more of a content moderation problem, most likely from, from a certain standpoint, but from a, you shared a picture of your coffee maker. And then I was like, oh, I want to share one of yeah. my coffee maker. Like, I can't do that.
0: You know? I mean, the easy fix for that would just be have it where it's, it's blacked out, it's, you know, blurred out or whatever. And unless you click the picture, you're never going to see it. So if it's, um, if it's Wombatis, I'm like, I'm not opening that guy's picture nowhere. way. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be scary. Can you imagine what he'd be sending you? <laughs>
1: Probably just Wombats yeah I thought it was wombats <laughs> yeah. wombats and pictures of the SpaceX rocket
0: so I'm into this PFP idea i li- I like the idea of I could create a PFP for my key holders, and then when you join you get to use it in my channel as your PFP yeah um I think something like that would be cool that's a little that's complicated I'm not expecting them to do that but like maybe a third party could could do that or something i mean you could there's ways you could do something like that now you
1: know it's just somebody has to take the initiative and set it up and then like have a you know you don't even have to be on the same chain you can just read and like from the whatever like that's a whole technical thing but like you could do it it would be like a, I think that it's um, it's gonna be one of those things it's gonna require the right person to do it first like if I just said in my chat right now like you're gonna get a PFP like everybody's a little burned out on PFPs right now yeah I don't know who the right person is but if if somebody if the right person did it I think it could start a meta but I think personally, this is just me, I think PFPs might be toast for a little while. Like other than like CryptoPunks and a few others. Like I think you're going to have those forever, but...
0: Maybe PFP is the wrong term. Like maybe it would be like a... The thing is that like the way, it views, the way you look at people on the chat is so small, you can't even barely tell what the hell you're looking at.
2: So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. But I feel like there's something there, like a badge or a... Co-op style, uh, FrenTech Co-op proof of... Key ownership, yeah, like an NFT that accompanies the key ownership, some in some way,
0: shape, or form.
1: I I like the idea a lot. Um, I, I think I kind of have this thing in my head that's like this just disrupts so many of the PFP narratives. I think it's going to be hard to sell a brand new PFP outside of this potentially, and like, but it's it's also hard to say because the market's so bad for for PFPs and art in general. It's just, yeah, I if I'm being I'm biased because I run an art platform but part of me is like you're gonna have this kind of stuff which is gonna take over this narrative of like access to people and then you're gonna have art which is like valuable and always has been even though it goes through ups and downs you know um the PFP narrative to me like it's hard to overstate in my opinion how your PFP on Twitter in 2021 when crypto Twitter was like going crazy Like, if it weren't for Twitter, I don't know if PFPs would have had the same impact, Um, right? And so, like, I think there's a lot of questions around how much conversation actually moves over, here, right? Because, like, if there's no, if my Twitter activity goes down because I'm actually just in friend tech all the time, which who knows if that's even possible, but, like, this is just outlining different hypotheses. Like, if that were to happen, my PFP doesn't really matter as much, right? Because it's just, like, I'm talking to my group and in these other rooms where I bought their keys and, like, there's not as much social signaling so i don't know like yeah it's a good not saying not saying that's gonna happen i just it's really hard to say right
2: now
0: i see what you're saying so it wouldn't be a pfp but there, i feel like there's some kind of something that hasn't happened yet that will happen it'll be for sure for sure and that's why you gotta try stuff because you
1: just don't know and you gotta watch what everybody else is trying give away a tesla in your room
0: you know yeah we gotta do another one of these where we're drinking i'm for it um that would be pep booty in the morning for pep where are you are you where are you at in that
1: a, let me try that sentence again guys yeah. hey you are from arkansas <laughs> where are you
2: boy where are you at in
1: dude that was a pretty good impression that was a pretty good impression
2: where are you based pep um i'm in well, i'm just outside of london i'm about 20 minutes out on the train from london so oh yeah it's gonna be a lay one for you yeah it's not so bad when we were doing the old pod it was like three four in the morning like sometimes i was setting alarms getting up banging a couple of espressos and then trying to record so that was fun but that was easier because there were more of those guys so i basically did no talking and that was now i'm kind of a bit more involved conversationally it's not so it's not so easy to do at 5 a.m but
1: yeah (laughs) i told somebody speaking of the arkansas thing i told somebody on space i was like i think the people who made fran they were sitting around and somebody said something like boy i bet you'd sell your sister and somebody's like that's a good idea
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah all right, guys, I think I got to bounce pretty soon, but that was awesome. That was fun. Yeah.
1: It's so much fun. Please edit it and make me sound as smart as
0: possible. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We'll talk on Frintech. Cool. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Super fun. Talk
2: to you sometime soon.
0: That was fun. That was good. I'm glad Brock could come in and uh, Steven's cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing that, like, I, I mean, I don't even think I'll add this to the podcast, but it's just interesting, like, what you were saying about the gated, like, the punks Discord at one point was... Um, like an exclusive chat. It was one of the things that got you through the bear market was having access to other smart people that were also still engaged and interested when no one else was. Right. Um, and for me, I didn't have punks and NFTs, but for me during that period, it was um, telegram groups. And uh, uh, all of the best places I had to hang out in the last bear um, were little private groups of 10, 20 people that I got invited to. Um, and they were other smart, like-minded people. And you got to sometimes share alpha, sometimes share memes, and sometimes just shoot the shit by it's what Frentex enabled is you can literally force your way in to one of those chats. Like there's, there are groups now with fifty or a hundred of the smartest people you know or don't know yet, and you can, for the cost of an ETH or two, for the price of an ETH, yeah. ETH or two, you you can force your way into those chats. And like that, that's something we haven't really had previously, other than through PFPs like punks. Um, so it's it's almost like an evolution of that in some regards. Yeah, the curation part is different though because it does require a lot of work on your part as the
0: as the holder as the uh channel owner or whatever you are called because i can imagine like my group isn't very big but like uh, barats for example he's got probably 100 holders or so, however many and um so it's probably a lot of work for him because he's got to read all the spam shit that people are sending him decide what he's going to talk about reply uh you know and so it's like i mean it'd probably be fun if you have you know uh, a lot of people in there um so, so yeah it, it, but it is interesting how that's different like the Discord one to make an analogy, it'd sort of be like if John or Matt, uh, the CryptoPunks guys had to curate all the comments in the Discord or, or a very well, uh, like a very, um, dedicated, uh, you know, a moderator.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what you need. Like running a WordPress blog back in the day and having to sift through all the penis enlargement spam to find the actual comments. Yeah, or of only.
0: But we've all been in those discords too, where they get a little big and then there's always some asshole and they're complaining and kind of ruining the vibe. And so the good thing is you just ignore, ignore that person and nobody sees it. So yeah, I th- it'll be interesting.
2: The, the other thing, interesting thing is like people that I've seen using it since the start, there almost seems to be some enthusiasm waning a bit from some of the earliest FrenTech mm-hmm. users. I don't know if they're just a bit burnt out by it and it maybe is going in waves and they'll be re-engaged again. But then you've got another cohort like yourself and, and it seems to be largely NFT community that have come on a bit later and and those people that have only been on a week or two they're still fired up they're still it's, it's brand new for them they're still really enjoying the the novel aspect of, of everything we have discussed today so yeah i guess it'll depend on how quickly things get developed by the team and by the the people using
0: it you know and if that pace keeps up then i think we're good if, if that pace kind of drops off where after a couple of weeks you're like well i haven't seen any big change from the product or from people, like I haven't seen any great ideas on how people are running their channels that make it fun. Then I could see people getting not too interested. But it seems to me like there's things happening, you know, a lot, a lot of things are happening and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, you'll see all kinds of cool things where not just from the team itself, but from people using it, user-created kind of content, if you will, or or
2: gimmicks or games or things that make it fun. Yeah, definitely. I mean, from from our perspective as, as the pod, we haven't really thought about it yet in yeah. detail but there's got to be something we can do whether it's I don't, yeah we'll figure it out but there yeah i mean there for sure there's a way to kind of i thought
0: about that too the only problem is you don't like i thought about doing it for aliens but it's like that would be tricky because if you start it and then you kind of don't finish it then that would be bad right like you have to kind of commit to doing something real if you're going to like use a twitter handle to back up your
2: channel yeah right exactly. then it then it, it could look bad yeah yeah and also is it like you said, someone like Barrett or even yourself, like it's quite a lot of work just keeping up with one. If you had multiple alter egos right now and you try to run all yeah, the uh, specific the burden is just like that's one of the reasons I don't have the Pep. I don't expect the PEP account to to pop off like yours or barrett's would, but it's still gonna I've doubled my mental load and time time required and stuff. So So you're running both now? No, no, I haven't I haven't activated. Haven't done pep it. Yet, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um I I was trying to think who out of the nft people that haven't come on board yet who would be like the ultimate like whose key would be the dream like obviously x copy i guess would be the every everyone we've x registered everyone would want to own the x key yeah snow pros would be big um the uh who else dimitri
0: cherniak i mean maybe i don't know i I don't think artists so much as um people like i guess you have you call them influencers like there's a couple of names i ran across i'm like ooh, when he gets one that'll be big uh, I don't know who else, I mean, uh, well, I, okay, so I was going to ask this to, um, I mean, Beeple would be a big one. I was going to ask this to Barat. like, when when are we going to see, like, non, like, actual celebrities join, you know, like, what if, what's her face uh, joined, Taylor, Taylor Swift, like, what if she joined, you know, or somebody like that, I'd be insane.
2: Yeah, know. I, I, I guess that's the the dream for the founders and the people running it is to get that kind of onboarding. Like They thought it was, as you said, the yeah. second wave of onboarding was the OnlyFans people and I think for a second they thought that was going to be the real, the mainstream traction they required, but that really fell off rather- But are talk way. about easy money,
0: I mean, it's like Cameo, but way slicker and easier and less risk to you, right? Like you could, I mean, let's say, uh, who's some celebrity that it's reasonable that they would
2: join? Uh, uh, like Johnny Knoxville or something?
0: yeah so let's say something like that like not huge but pretty big they come on and then they're like okay like i'll actually talk to you and every week i'll release a little video in here i can't do video yet but you will be able to of me like jumping off a fucking cliff or something and then uh you know even if they only had a thousand people coming in and out like they would just sit back and make money right uh and then some huge celebrity like the rock or somebody if they joined and all, all you get out of it is he'll talk to you every once in a while you know It'll be interesting. I, it, all it has to happen is a little bit. If a few celebrities start doing it, then it's like it could really make a huge difference.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if um Trump doesn't win the next election, he'll join. Yeah. Put Trump on here. That would be, can you imagine? <laughs> that would be nuts, dude. If Trump was on here. Yeah. And like maybe that, maybe it's healthy. Like everyone thinks they want that to happen now, the celebrity onboarding, but maybe it's healthier for that to happen once we've done the airdrop period. Six months of us. Guys pushing ETH back and forth for points and farming. And then the sell off, because the 3 3 unraveling, another thing we didn't really get to RT's go, but the unraveling yeah. of 3 3 once the points have been issued properly for, for good is going to be insane. It's going to be like meltdown uh, at some point. Um, but maybe we need to get rid of all of that out of the way, do the points, do the airdrop, and then they can think about using this massive pot of ETH they've accum- accumulated to, to incentivize mainstream creators and, and stuff. Maybe if they come on now, they're just going to be susceptible. Like they're going to see the same thing. They're going to see. That's a good point. It's on. too early. It's probably yeah. not a good idea to even have them on. But then, if, if we, let's just say you're
0: trying to invest in this as a platform, you think it's going to pop off. You think it's the risk is reward is is definitely in your favor. So, like, it's worth risking some ETH. Like, what do you really invest in? Because all you're really getting is point. Like, you're not going to get one of these celebrity keys because they'll all be boughted. So then it's like, what are you really getting? You're just getting uh, TVL, which gets you airdrop points which may or may not get you anything. So it's kind of like we could even be here super early and get nothing out of it. You never yeah, know. Yeah. Not to end on a bearish uh, note, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's risky as fuck still.
2: Yeah. I was trying to find a, a contrarian to come on and tell us how how it sucks and it's all a ponzi. But I I, I didn't find anyone quick enough, but
0: Well, look, I mean, I think I think all of us today well Bra i think it's all relative broad has a lot more eth i'm assuming but relative to how much he has he probably put in the same amount you and i put in right yeah. like we're not putting that much in we're putting in enough that we know we could lose and it's just a game it's just a, a you know a, a calculated risk so who cares right but if you're putting in like a ton then obviously that's stupid <laughs> <laughs> that's my financial advice for the day
2: yeah that's good
0: <laughs> all right man see ya. Speak to you in a bit all right there